Hello and welcome to episode 110 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that complains about what feels like never-ending previous seasons yet when there's actually a bit of a break they run out of stuff to talk about, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined this week by the spawn of Turg himself, Angelo Guerrera, aka the Jess Guy. How are you getting on today, bud? I'm doing quite well. Uh, it's a three-day weekend here in the States, Ooh. so... I'm stoked that tomorrow I have another day off, but yeah, no, I'm doing good. I'm catching up on a lot of anime that I like, uh, mainly Overlord. We finally have a fourth Mm. Overlord season after three years, and I'm super stoked to get more of that, because that show is a ride, and if you haven't watched it, I highly suggest it. Mm. But yeah, and then I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Go. That's been great, getting up and and moving and doing stuff, like... I'm a day one player. I've still been playing since, hmm. but like I've just ramped up my playing a whole lot because I'm getting into like the PvP more, and that's okay. like that. That's such a different kind of like not skill set. Like you care about so many different things mm-hmm. because of that. Now it just gives the game a, a different kind of angle to it, and hmm. it's just been great. It's been really nice to like get back into things that I enjoy. So I'm, I'm feeling good. good. How about you? How's everything? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm good. I had a bit of a chill week myself, personally, because uh, my partner Leanne, she was over in The Hague for a work conference, which means that I had like plenty of time to hang out and chill and brew and reorganize my decks. I am reorganizing a lot of them. I've taken a bunch of them apart and building a lot of new ones. I'm on a little bit of a graveyard kick at the moment. Not <laughs> that that's particularly unusual for me, but you know. Uh, it's just especially more now. So I recently built an Oscar Rubbish Reclaimer, like self-discard deck. Yep. I changed my Armix and Tormod deck into this one mm-hmm. so that I can like take advantage of discard outlets and stuff like cycling to be able to like break timing restrictions and stuff with oh, that's Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really fun. I have also updated my Cedrus deck. I built one there a few weeks ago and okay. I've just sort of updated it to be a little smoother and more consistent as a reanimator deck just like all in on that plan now Mm -hmm. i also tuned up like my pet deck at the moment is my old stick fingers deck with umori companion that's awesome it is (laughs) so sweet it's so sweet i see i originally built it to be a deck that i didn't have to think too hard on other people's turns so if I knew I was going to be playing a lot in a day or, you know, it was later in the, the evening or mm-hmm. whatever and I didn't have much mental capacity, I could just play this and be like, ah, creature, 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 graveyard thing, creature, pass. Yep. And then just go get a snack or something, you know. So that's now like a little more streamlined after playing with it a bunch. It is a little more convoluted in terms of like graveyard stuff now, but I think it's at a, a good, comfortable point, which is yeah. nice. That's awesome. So... That's what I've been up to, in addition to, of course, writing an article for this week, which is about 10 underrated commanders from Dominaria United. So there's tons of them, which is, I think there's over 70 in total between the main set and the commander That pre-cons. sounds correct. So it's no surprise that a bunch of them will go under the radar while people are looking at the obviously powerful ones, you know. I cover the many different potential builds that you could try and build with these 10, and they're all uncommon as well. So they're mm, all artisan nice. legal as well. So you can check that out on Card Kingdom after the show if you want. But that is it for me. It has been pretty quiet over the last while, um, which is nice. Mm. It's nice to not have a bunch of stuff going on, you know? Yeah, no, that's good. And and just a a quick question, because you were talking Mm. about Cedrus. Did 
you build them because they were in Double Masters? Like, did they... Did, did they come back into your view? Because And the reason why I ask is, mm-hmm. and, I, and I wish I had done this prior to the set coming out, is okay. I've been seeing a lot of the Double Masters commanders start making mm-hmm. a bit of a resurgence, particularly the ones that are like older, like Cedrus or Thraxamundar or Uril. Yeah. Uh, at least on Twitter, I've been seeing a lot of people rebuilding them. And I think that's like, it's really cool that mm. either people forgot about them and they're seeing them or all the the new players who weren't around yeah. for that are seeing them for the first time and they're they're kind of again having a bit of a resurgence uh cedrus mm. just broke a thousand decks it, it looks like yeah. yeah i don't know again what his numbers were previously but like, that's just that's really cool and that's why i wanted to ask like did double masters get like him back in your head it didn't get him back in my head no but it did incentivize me heavily to get the alt art because it looks really sick. Mm. It's also nice and cheap okay. at the moment, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. What actually happened was I started this as I wanted to build a Gyruda companion deck. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to build it using cards I had. And the best commander that I could find for it was like Obeka, where I could like do copies and this kind of stuff and like myriad things and end the turn and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just felt really, really clunky. And then I bought a couple of cards for it, and I was like, this realistically should be a Cedrus deck, and Obeka should be in the 99. And that's kind of how it went from there, and I ended up losing the Gyruda Companion, because again, it just felt super clunky for the kind of deck that it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, I when I had the option of buying like the regular Cedrus or the real fancy Cedrus, I got the real fancy Cedrus because it was very little difference in the cost Mm -hmm. which was quite nice but yes i have seen this as well where a bunch of people have started to play with some of these older commanders and to be honest like you said uh, cedrus only broke a thousand decks now like over the last couple of weeks i'm surprised because he's real good he's gas yeah yeah and and something else just real quick Uh, well uh, already we're Mm. off to a to a a side tangent yeah so that that bodes well (laughs) for this episode but i'm looking at online at mm-hmm. cedrus and like you're saying the borderless is like three dollars just about the mm-hmm. foil is basically the same price the original shards of alara like foil printing of cedrus mm-hmm. is forty dollars what yeah and the and the regular price for the regular double masters version is also like two bucks and mm-hmm. i don't know if anyone else is like me but when I do a co- like when I build a commander deck, I need my commander to be foil or to be like the the nicest version or like a nice version. And so mm. maybe there are some people like me out there who are like, oh, I'm not going to build Cedrus because I'm not spending forty dollars on the commander because um, I know that I would do that. But mm. now that it's two bucks, I I would build a Cedrus deck because <laughs> I can get him in foil now. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. No, but that that's really cool. All right. Sorry. Mm. Anyway. Back on track. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this is this is gonna happen a few times this episode. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two uh, people with ADHD walk into a Discord call, <laughs> and an hour and a half podcast episode happens. Yeah, after three hours of talking first. <laughs> if you enjoy the BM Cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as three dollars. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. 
Visit patreon.com forward slash the BMcast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMcast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. All right, so, Angelo, it has been a hot minute since you were on last, so this seems to be like a bit of a regular recurring thing now with you, is that when we're like, oh, bring a card of the week to talk about, you bring more than one card? Yep. I'm an overachiever, what can I say? (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Cedrus, and speaking of Double Masters, I've brought to you three Double Masters cards. They're Mm. all at slightly varying price points. But they're all cards that I think are great pickups right now. The Borderless Eternal Witness uh, and Regular are $2 currently, which is a great price yes. for a normally $5 card. The mm-hmm. Borderless Hardened Scales is $5, along with the regular version. And that card was pushing 10 for a while. It's, you know, yeah. a modern staple It's a commander staple. It's just a really good card. And the alt art has dinosaurs on it. So, like, that's just a great pickup right there. And then, finally, Damnation. (laughs) All the Damnation memes. I remember when it used to be $50. I remember when we couldn't get Watsy to reprint it. It's $14 now. That's the regular version. I don't know what the Borderless Mm. is looking like. That one has some really metal art. So that one's probably a little bit more expensive. But... $14 $14 for a Damnation. If you need a board wipe in black, if you have the extra money, if you've been wanting a Damnation for a while, pick one up. I don't see that going any cheaper than 14 no. Or if it does, it's by a couple bucks. Like, if you yeah. want a Damnation, now's the time. And those are my cards of the week. There's some sweet picks, yeah. The fact that, like, the borderless ones look so good, mm-hmm. and, like, that with the, the E-Witness and the Hardened Scales... They're cheaper in the fancy version mm-hmm. by a lot than they were in the regular version just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic. And, and, and doing a, a quick search, the Borderless Damnation is around 17 to $18. So mm. that's the only one here where the Borderless one is actually a little bit more. But if, you, if, if you're looking right. for the nice version of that, again pick it up now we're, we're at the point at least with double masters where a lot of the cards that haven't already rebound like mm-hmm. dockside or smothering tithe are coming back down or they're steadying out and so yeah. if you're looking for any of your cheap cards or any of your like good commons and uncommons your staple cards i think now's the time to pick those up for sure yeah good shout speaking of good shouts of stuff to pick up now Ooh, that is that was smooth. Kind of, all right, yeah, smooth like Braille, as always. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll give you a second to recover from that one. I'll say, um, all right. <laughs> so, so, that is kind of the topic for today's mm-hmm. episode. We are talking rotation pickups, specifically with Commander in mind. Yes. So, there was no way I was going to do this episode without you here, because... You are the. You're sweet. You are such a font of knowledge when it comes to cards within the EDH sphere, and 
like I, I can see you on the webcam. You know that, right? I can <laughs> yeah. see you on the webcam that you're laughing. Like, yeah. No, it's too much praise. I appreciate it, though. Anyway, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the cards and less about me. <laughs> so anyway, I bet Angelo. I'm uh, the, no! <laughs> I'm in a hell of my own making. Oh, Why did are, I get such a are. good friend? Oh, well, deal with it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah so we're, we're going to talk about commander pickups yep because rotation is upon us it is happening as we speak and yes. there are a bunch of cards that would be wise to pick up now i know that before recording you told me that the way you have approached this one is a little bit different from the last time that we did a rotation pickups thing yes. how so exactly okay. so for those who might remember, or for those who don't, because I didn't remember, my first episode, almost 100 episodes ago, congrats Oof. on how many episodes you, you both have been able to put out. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Was on rotation pickups for, like, War of the Spark, that that mm. transition from War into Eldraine. Uh, I, I've linked the previous picks in the show notes, if you would like to go check those out. Mm-hmm. But to be completely transparent, I'm very disappointed in the picks that I did that time. I wasn't fully grasping the change in EDH on how more popular it is now. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, in years previously, like in Return to Ravnica block is the one that I point to where, where I was playing Standard. When Rotation happened and Standard was the biggest format... Everyone would unload all of their standard cards, all the prices would drop, and that's when you'd pick up all of your EDH cards. It's like Clonicryphs were like a dollar at rotation for RTR standard. With EDH's rise in popularity and standards popularity waning, that changes things a bit. Because now, Mm. A, everyone has at least one EDH deck, and when the card comes out that you want to put into your very specific deck, you pick it up very quickly and you just put it into your deck and you're all set yeah and so when rotation happens you don't see massive dips in prices across the board anymore and so yeah i didn't understand that at the time and so my picks weren't that great that said because of that i've changed it this time where i went on to mtg goldfish all the prices and all the cards are from mtg goldfish Mm -hmm. and any card that was a a good price that looks like it will go down that was in a standard deck is in this list. I am not picking any cards that we're not seeing standard play. Right. And so you might listen to this and be like, Angelo, there's this really good card in, you know, Zendikar Rising, uh, Scoot Swarm. Why didn't you pick Scoot Swarm? That card is great in EDH. Mm-hmm. Well, it did not show up in any standard deck on MTG Goldfish. And because of that, I am not picking it. I am not picking any card that wasn't in standard because the cards in standard will go down. Yeah. People are putting, you know, two, three, four times the cards onto the market if they have playsets of them. And yeah. anything that is not standard, and again, I cannot stress this enough, I did not put on this list yeah that's fair that's and it's a reasonable approach i think as well because we now know what is good in Mm -hmm. commander like you said like scoot swarm is very obviously in Mm -hmm. basically every landfall deck that has green which is almost all of them anyway yep so it would 
be silly to mention it. It feels like a no-brainer kind of thing, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, and the thing is, is that if Scoot Swarm was seeing play like it used to, it, it, in standard, it was seeing play with um, with one of the ultimatums, the Teamer ultimatum, hmm. and you know, it was pushing six, seven dollars because it was seeing standard play, and now it's down yeah. to about three. If it was still seven dollars and seeing standard play, I, I'd happily include it in the list, but it's fallen out of favor now. Yeah, very reasonable. So, with that in mind. Why don't you kick us off? What is the first card on the list? First card, Luminarch Aspirant. Uh, Luminarch Aspirant's a 1-1 for one in a white, and at the beginning of combat, you can put a 1-1 counter on any of your creatures. That card is just incredible. Uh, any 1-1 counters decks, just being able to guarantee that you're getting an extra counter every turn is awesome. Yeah. With things like hardened scales like we talked about earlier, that isn't yeah. just one counter anymore, that's two. There are just so many ways that you can take advantage of the counters, and there's so many different counters decks. It's a great pickup at a buck. Yeah. It's also one of those things that, like, when people see it in Standard or in Pioneer and that kind of mm-hmm. thing, they're usually like, oh, try and kill it on site, because it will start adding up over time. Yeah. But at, a, at an EDH table, the impact appears much smaller because mm-hmm. it is by ratio, but that means that the target on it is significantly smaller. So it is a constant source of, like you said, the value that yeah. is likely to stick around probably until someone hits a board wipe because no one's going to want to waste removal on something like this when they could be saving it for something like a commander instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's so many ways to manipulate counters now, like, you know, Falco mm-hmm. Spara. I have Luminarch Aspirant in my Falco Spara deck because it isn't just a 1-1 counter. Sometimes it's an extra card, you know? And I I can only assume that we'll be seeing stuff like that moving forward. And so just having a 2-drop that gets you lots of counters seems really fun. And then next one you've got here, Maul of the Skyclaves. I'm a big fan of this. Yeah, that that card's a beating. It's a Mm -hmm. 3-mana equipment that gives your creature... I think it's plus 2, plus 2 in First Strike and Flying. And... Equipment decks are one of the most popular deck themes in the format. Yeah. Maul of the Skyclaves is just one of the best equipment that we've seen in a very long time. And it just, it really puts the hurt on things. Yeah, big time. And the free yep. equip is just yeah. so good. Yep. Uh, and it, sorry, the price, it's 50 cents. It's one of the, yeah. the better equipments that we've seen, and it's only 50 cents. Like, it really pushes damage through. I cannot stress that enough. If you want to beat people up with commander damage, Giving your commander an extra two power and evasion seems mm-hmm. just so good. Yeah. Now, talk to me about Youthful Valkyrie. Mm. What's so, going on here? The next two, so Youthful Valkyrie and Righteous Valkyrie, I'm gonna I'm gonna put together. Youthful Valkyrie was only in the theme packs for Kaldheim. It was not in the set itself. And both of yeah. these are angel cards, which are one of the more popular tribes on EDH track. Yeah. Youthful Valkyrie is two mana. Uh, it's a 1-3, and whenever an angel enters the battlefield, it gets a counter. Righteous mm-hmm. Valkyrie can give your team an anthem and gain you a bunch of life when an angel or cleric enters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Youthful Valkyrie is $7. Righteous Valkyrie is 5 And both of these cards see Pioneer play in the Pioneer's yeah. Angels decks. The reason why I want to bring them up is because, A... If you're running an Angel's deck in EDH, you're going to want both of these. They're a 2-drop and a 3-drop, respectively, and yeah. 
Angel's decks are notoriously, you know, high-costed. If any of your standard friends are getting rid of them because they don't play Pioneer, mm -hmm. pick them up on the cheap because I can't see them going down. They're a popular tribe, and they see play in an Eternal format. So if you need one of each, get them when they drop. Good shout. And then the last two that you have listed here for white cards are pretty popular already mm -hmm. though i think to be honest i could do with being played a little bit more and that's skyclave apparition and yep. radon god of the worthy mm -hmm. two absolute beater three drops yeah yeah skyclave is great just in any <laughs> any white deck and if you could blink it it's yeah. even better we've seen over time that the ability to get rid of something and then give something else back as opposed to giving the actual thing back is such yeah. a powerful effect, and having it on a three-drop is just absurd. And then Rydane, she's either a hate bear or the best artifact that you can ever ask for, because the yeah. her backside is the shield, just mm -hmm. gives you and all your things ward one, and then also prevents one damage from any source that hits you or your permanence. Yeah. Like, that trips up so many players, and just so, like, it ruins combat math so yeah, often it's so good both of them are are fantastic and like you said they see a lot of play but i think they should see more absolutely anywhere that i've put either of these in mm. they've just been good like yeah. very solid yeah yep. now moving on to blue there's only one card here and i actually put it on the list <laughs> yeah because you originally had no blue cards on here mm -hmm. for the reason that you were mentioning that like there's not many blue cards that are rotating that are going to be good in commander that are also seeing play in standard yep correct the, that didn't come out in midnight hunt because midnight hunt had a lot of banger yeah. blue cards <laughs> but that's not rotating you know you're not going to be True. seeing your leers here but instead what are we going to see scott what did you put on this list so i put down alrin's epiphany the extra turn spell that gives you the two birds yep it's like seven seven mana uh, you can play it from Fortel. It's $3. $3 for an extra turn spell is fine. Like, there aren't many cheap extra turn spells, and the ones that are, a lot of the time, are not very good. Like, you've got, like, Karn's Temporal Sundering and that kind of thing, and it's very mm. medium. This, the reason that I put this on here is because there are a bunch of decks that care about playing stuff from Exile or from somewhere that isn't your hand. Mm -hmm. And I think that counts for something. Yeah. But, like... Worst case scenario, it's still just a cheap extra turn spell. So if you do want one for something, it's totally fine. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm a bit averse to extra turn spells, but like you Same. said, uh, and, and you sold me on this, where there's enough interaction with exile nowadays where things care about you casting from there, or yeah. you know, it makes tokens, it makes flyers. There's some deck, you know, if if you're playing an Adrix and Nev token deck, you know. This will make you four tokens and get you an extra turn. Like, that mm. checks two boxes. And so, like, it isn't just, you know, a spell that gives you an extra turn. There's a, a lot of play there with a lot of things. So I like that pick. Yeah. One little thing with Alrin's Epiphany that I particularly liked when I had my Nasari Dean of Expression deck, the back half of the Prismari Dean. Yep. It's basically a stolen strategy on mm -hmm. a commander. Yeah. And I built the deck so that it wants to play stuff from Exile and gain benefits from that. So Alrun's Epiphany 
I got to cast that a couple of times while I had an Elfish Knee out, which copies stuff from Exile. So I just got two extra turns. Oh. And like, that feels great. <laughs> yeah, it feels real good. <laughs> you said you're reverse to extra turn spells. How about two extra turn spells? Yes. <laughs> Time stretch? Mm, I'm in. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on, moving on. To black, uh, yes. the first card you have here, Lalt Spider Queen. Yeah, I love... So... <laughs> Maybe this is just me. I love Lolf. A, <laughs> I like Lolf as, like, the character, because uh, I read, like, mm-hmm. Drist and stuff. But I think she's just a very overlooked planeswalker in EDH. And for five mana, you get something that pluses on loyalty when anything dies. So with yeah. a big enough board set up, you could play her and immediately ult her. Mm-hmm. She's a Phyrexian Arena. She gets you tokens. And then also her ult will, over time, chip people down, you know, yeah. from... Even if you hit them with a 1-1 one, one flyer, they're going to end up taking 7 extra damage at the end of the turn. Mm. Just that package overall, I think that there's enough sacrifice decks and enough black decks that care about all of those things that I think that she's a good pickup. Right now, she's $8. She'll probably go down a little bit more, but yeah. I also think she could see some Pioneer play. I think she's a, a very good card. And, you know, if she hits six bucks, pick up a couple. Yeah, not a bad call. Similarly, not a bad call is one that we mentioned, I believe it was on our Pauper pickups one, which was Deadly Dispute. Yep. Down at and about $1.50 now or so. Yeah, and I think I mentioned that as, like, one of my cards of the weeks from, like, two yeah. guest <laughs> podcasts ago. Yeah. Because, you know, it went from, like, eight bucks to $1.00. And it's at 150 yeah. right now. That's just one of those cards that, you know, is good enough for Modern. It's going to be good enough for Pioneer. It's great yeah. in EDH. You know, we're already well past Baldur's Gate. So whatever mm-hmm. amount of Deadly Disputes that are out in the wild, that's the amount that we have. We're not going to yeah. be getting a whole lot more. So if people are just getting rid of Deadly Disputes, whether it's in bulk or just trying to offload them or whatever... Pick as much, like as many up as you can. That card is just the best version of that effect that we've ever seen. Agreed, one hundred percent. So good. And then red, we have quite a standout card here in terms <laughs> of the the price tag. Um, Goldspan Dragon. Yeah. So we had a little bit of like a disagreement on on where this card would land, but I think that mm-hmm. Goldspan is just absolutely bonkers it's a dragon that makes treasure it makes artifacts it ramps you it it does so many things that i think that you know it's pushing 25 dollars right now you might be able to find it for a little bit Mm -hmm. less depending on where you shop but it's the mythic dragon out of a set and any artifact deck or treasure deck or dragon deck or any like feather like deck might want a goldspan dragon my comparison was like Terror of the Peaks, where Terror of the Peaks was from a standard set, and you know yep. it was twenty dollars for a while. And if you look now, it's like thirty six. Hmm. If you were playing red in standard, you have four of them, and yeah. if people are ever looking to offload them, the price could drop, which I think is what you were saying, right? Yeah. So what I was actually saying, and where our sort of disagreement mm-hmm. kind of came in, was that I know that people are playing this in EDH. I know it. Yeah. I know for a fact. You can look at EDH track. You can see how many thousands of decks it's in. I have not seen 
mm-hmm. or experienced in my hundreds of games since it has come out, a single person cast this card. That's so wild to me. It's just it's just weird. Like I, I'm talking about from my own personal frame of reference, yeah. which is extremely inaccurate because in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. I haven't played as many games as there are decks with Goldspan Dragon in it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like it is purely a this is my brain doing a you know, I'm seeing this, therefore this is what makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. So I'm not necessarily disagreeing with the card being a good pickup particularly over the next like few weeks and that kind of thing but it's just more of a i've seen so many different like dragon decks or treasure decks or token decks or artifact decks whatever run exceptionally without it yeah no i mean the same can be said about most cards anyway so (laughs) you know what does any of this even matter (laughs) yeah Yeah, maybe disagreement was a strong word uh a kerfuffle we we had a kerfuffle Mm. yeah Yeah. (laughs) but yeah it's (laughs) It's a pricey card. It's the most expensive card on this list. And, you know, I'm not telling you to pick it up at 25. It has probably room to go down. But yeah. keep an eye on it. If you're looking for a gold span. I, I bought one off of Twitter the other day for 15 bucks. That's if sweet. it gets anywhere close to that, I'd suggest picking one or two up. Just because there's so many, like, different overlaps in themes mm. there that I just, I can't see it not following the trajectory of other really good mythic dragons that is very fair yeah now moving from the most expensive in <laughs> the list here to one of the cheapest and in my opinion one of the best uh, i'm not biased Truly. at all yeah unexpected windfall mm. four mana instant as an additional cost discard a card draw two cards and make two treasures cards bananas i put it in like every single deck that has red yeah unabashedly same. love it mm-hmm. and it, it's only a buck and it was seeing standard play in uh, a lot of the Jeskai Hanada decks, in the other Goldspan decks, in a lot of just the red decks that wanted filtering and mana advantage. And, yeah. you know, it'll go under a buck. But again, it's just one of those effects that, you know, we're, we're starting to get more of them, don't get me wrong. We had one in Nuka Pena, you know, and we just had a new one in Baldur's Gate too. But the more of them we get, the more we're just going to want to add together, it's not going to bump out Unexpected Windfall. That card's very good. And so yeah. if you're in, if you're just in red, it'll be under a buck. Pick them up. Yep. So moving from red to green, we've only got one here, but yep. it's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. And this to me is very similar to Goldspan Dragon in the fact that I know it's good, but I've never actually seen anyone play it in EDH yet. Mm-hmm. And that's... Asika's Chariot. Card's gas. And if you're it playing is. green and standard, you have four of them. Yep. And for those who don't know, Asika's Chariot's a vehicle. It makes two cats. Mm-hmm. And then whenever the chariot attacks, you make a copy of any token on board. And token decks are one of the more popular themes in EDH right now. It yep. got a really big push with the Naya Populate deck back in 2019 and it's been getting pushed more particularly with uh strixhaven too with like adrix and nev and just caring about tokens there's just been a lot more token support or and we were talking about this before we started recording with zendikar rising that was the first time that watsi started allowing you to make token copies of permanents that like that like permanent spells and 
Asika's Chariot will copy all of them. It will copy any token that you have. And mm-hmm. right now it's about $5. It should go down a little bit more once more of them start flooding the market. But, again, and stop me if you've heard this one before, <laughs> has the potential to see Pioneer play, so I don't know how much it will go down, but keep an eye on it. It's really yep. good, and if you're playing a token deck, to me that's just an easy include. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's already seeing Pioneer play, I believe, in the Abzan Grease Fund decks and that kind oh, of thing. no. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So... That was the only green one. Now, the multicolor mm-hmm. ones. We have a couple here. My yep. personal hell is what we're talking about next. Uh, oh, Coma Cosmos Serpent. He's Coma so Cosmos cute. Serpent. Yeah, look, I know, right? I, I love snakes. Right? I love snakes. I love oh, little danger noodles, right? Yeah. This is my problem. <laughs> okay? He can get out of here. Okay? <laughs> he can just get out of here. I, Sorry, I'm just... I always see, and I, I think this is a fair sort of assumption to make with, with Coma, is that like when you see a Coma hit a table, like or you see that your opponent's commander is Coma, you can kind of assume it's of a certain minimum power level. You yep. know what I mean? Like, you don't go, I'm just going to go play some like chill battle cruiser stuff. My commander is Coma. <laughs> I'm already picking a like mid tier or slightly above average minimum. Like, yeah. it's a rough card to fight, it's very good. Yeah, it's a rough card. No, it's it's really good. It's also a card that people are going to be looking to try and cheat out in mm. Pioneer. Um, I've been playing the five color enigmatic incarnation deck on Arena, and mm-hmm. with Dominaria United, there's the six mana O ring with Domain that you can use as removal early, but then sacrifice it later to then go get coma it gives you a coma line now mm-hmm. and coma right now is seven dollars coma is a fairly popular edh commander it has the potential to see pioneer play it's a mythic from Kaldheim. if you want one i say pick it up when it goes down a buck or two or if it starts to go up not spike you, you never buy into a spike but if it starts to creep up over a month or two and you're like ah, i really want a coma pick it up it's it's just such a good card it is very very strong very good card yeah i wanted to build a, a creatureless coma deck and, and just be like well world serpent versus the world and i bought like <laughs> all the art cards because the coil like coma's coils are like five dollars mm-hmm. so yeah. i just bought the the coma art cards to like represent the tokens mm-hmm. but then i never put it together <laughs> i love that that card it's so good oh god you're a monster. Anyway, uh, Magma <laughs> Opus is the next card on the list. Talk to mm. me about this. Why should we pick up Magma Opus for Commander? Uh, that card's just bonkers. Like, even yeah. in Commander. <laughs> like, it, it's just really good. Uh, eight mana to make some dudes, draw some cards, tap some things down, and then at worst, you can cycle it for a treasure. Like, mm-hmm. imagine... <laughs> like you're saying, oh, let, let's copy... Allrin's Epiphany. You know what I want to copy? I want to copy Magma Opus. I want to play a blue-red deck Fair. and copy Magma Opus. And, again, if Hanada sees any play in Eternal Formats that mm-hmm. can keep Magma Opus's price the same or put it back up, mm-hmm. people were, for a while, I, I remember in Modern, when it first got spoiled, using Gear Hulk to cheat it out. 
they yeah. were they were cycling it and uh, using Gear Hulk and just playing it for free and wreaking havoc. And while that didn't really stick around, Magma Opus is just one of those cards that eight mana splashy. It has an out if it's early in the game, and yeah. you know it, it, I want to play with it. And I would assume that if I want to play with it, other people also want to play with it. Yep, fair. Fair assumption to make. Yeah, it is. It, it's only three bucks right now. So if you need one, might as well grab it. Yep. And then Valky, God of Lies. Yeah, talk about a, an evil card. That card is gas. Mm. It's real good. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. So it, Valky is nine bucks right now. Backside being Tybalt is one of the best Planeswalker commanders that you could have, in my opinion. That card is yep. just so incredible. It's also one of the few Planeswalker commanders that you can have. And Very true. Nine bucks, that card was pushing 20 for a while. Uh, I'm sure the foils have gone down to around 10 or 11, because foils nowadays are almost the same price as the regular versions. Yeah. And, you know, it w- also, with decks like Prosper... Or, you know, being in black and red, any deck that cares about playing things from exile are going to want very strong cards that do that. And Tybalt being able to exile four things a turn, be able to play them, and then also being removal that will also let you play the card that you got rid of, just that goes into that style of deck, which Mm -hmm. has been on the upswing in terms of commanders that Watsi is printing that they... Are like putting into that like um, like theme from casting mm-hmm. from exile, and I think Tibalt is probably one of the best cards that you can add to that if you're in black red. Yeah, you know, nine bucks yeah. is pricey, but I don't know. He's just—it's also a double face card, and double face cards, and and we'll talk about this later, are so hard to reprint that yeah. if you were to look at any of these cards and be like, oh yeah, they have the ability to go down, I would look mm-hmm. at at Valky and be like, well, that's a double face card. That's a commander that's also a walker on the back half that also feeds into this strategy that's being supported more. Yeah. I would go in at $9 if you don't have one and you want one. Yeah. I think it's perfectly reasonable to, to pick up now or at least over the next couple of weeks. For Definitely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing, too. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Like with Coma and unlike Goldspan Dragon, Valky and Coma were only seeing play as like one-offs. They were not a yeah. full four-off like goldspan dragon or lolth or or a seeker's chariot and so there will be fewer of these cards coming off of people who are playing standard and so to me that would also indicate that the price won't move as much as the other cards because there are just fewer of them coming into the market so just keep an eye on it if you want them yeah sound advice and then the final multicolor card we got here is showdown of the skulls this saw quite a lot of standard play, mm-hmm. and it's another one of the cards that's on this list that I'm like, why is this not seeing more commander play? There's just so much that it does mm-hmm. in those colors yeah. that so many times people are like, oh, Boros decks need more of this or that or the other, and like you see stuff like this, and you're like, this is what you need. Mm-hmm. Just play yeah. this. Play this. It's really good. Yeah. Four mana, draw four cards and make your dudes bigger over two turns. Like It's yeah. the best draw spell in Boros. It's an enchantment, mm-hmm. so it gives you ways to either recur it or do other things because white cares about enchantments. White can bring them back. White can sacrifice them sometimes. Red could also just sacrifice permanence 
So if you have any any way to like get extra value out of showdown, like mm-hmm. just put it into your deck. And it's just, it's very good. You can blink it if you're in colors that can blink enchantments. If you're playing a deck with Yorian in it, you know, like just do the stuff that you were doing in standard with doing an EDH. And like, it's only a dollar right now. And if you if you are a Boros aficionado, just pick some up and play them. Please, I beg you. Yep. They are real good. Really good. And then... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in the show notes uh would you like to say what you have next on the list here uh yes so uh there weren't any artifacts that were seeing standard play so we're gonna <laughs> jump to lands and for the love of god please please pick up any and all of these zendikar mdfcs those cards have <laughs> absolutely changed the way that i build decks they've changed yeah. the way that i'm able to play my decks having even bare minimum bare minimum two extra cards in my deck that are sometimes also lands mm-hmm. change games there are i remember games where i'm playing mono green and i'm playing like four of those and i i drew a hand and literally it was no lands except for three mdfcs i was like yeah i can keep this hand this hand's gas like it, it just it changes the way that you're able to play it changes your consistency. Yeah. Not all of them are great for EDH, but I would say 60% are. the Over half. Easily over yeah. half. 60%, 70%. 70, 70%. I, I love them. Uh, if you read any of my articles, I'm always trying to jam at least two into the yeah. decks that I write about. If you uh, see me on Twitter or in EDH Rec Discord, I'm always talking about how good the Zendikar Rising MDFCs are. And yeah. if you have them, keep them. If you don't have any, remedy that and pick them up when they go down in price. Some of them will not. The mythic ones are probably going to stay where they are. Except maybe yeah. a Maria's Call, because that one was seeing four of play in uh, some Orzov lists with the Angels. Mm-hmm. But yeah. any of them that drop in price, any of the rare ones, any of the good uncommon ones... Pick them up and play them, please. Yeah, absolutely. This is, unsurprisingly, my pick for if you had to buy anything off of this list, it's Mm -hmm. this. Yep, 100%. 100%. If you gave me $100 and was like, Angelo, buy something, I'd be like, no. All MDFCs, nothing else, forget the rest of the list. I'm buying, you know, (laughs) 10 Valakut Awakenings. Yeah, that's to be fair. Valakut Awakening feels so good. That card is so good. Oh, It is gas. Mm. I've been slowly over time picking up regulars and foils of all of the MDFCs because all of my decks, and I have, God, like 15 decks, and I think all mm-hmm. but one have at least one to two MDFCs in them. Some have four. Yeah. Like, it, 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 they're game changers, honestly. Completely. I agree. And then we've added in two lands, creature lands. Wait, as no. Well. We didn't talk about pathways. Oh, Sorry. I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong. They, they are technically Zendikar Rising MDFC, so maybe I juked you out with that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> but also, fine. Pathways. If people are getting rid of Pathways for cheap, pick them up. They are some of the best dual yeah. lands that we've ever seen. And also, like I was talking about with Valky, they're, they're double face cards, and mm-hmm. they're very difficult to reprint. So unless they want to keep putting them in standard... 
through sets that have double face cards, you're not going to see them reprinted again. And I know like the blue white one's been going up because it's been seeing play in Pioneer and Modern. Quite a bit, yeah. And they are some of the best cards, at least in EDH, on a budget to to, to have in your mana base. And so if you see them yep. for cheap, pick them up. Uh, technically, they're also Kaldheim MDFCs too, so yes. got, gotcha. Not just <laughs> Zendikar Rising. But uh, definitely pick up Pathways. They are so good. Yeah. Okay, anyway, Absolutely. sorry. You're good. <laughs> So the two creature lands that I was going to bring up there, you put on one and I put on one. You yep. put on Hive of the Eye Tyrant. It's $4 at the moment. Yep. Talk to me about it. Uh, it's a land that can turn into a creature that has menace and eats a card out of a graveyard. Well, that might not sound super hyper exciting. If you're in black and you just have room for extra utility lands... Having the ability on a land during your turn to just eat a card out of a yard is very good. Even if you never use it and activate it or do whatever, it's still there. The utility is there. Add in Scavenger Grounds first. I'm not saying add this in yeah. over like Scavenger Grounds or Bajookabog. But a, a third option in your land base to be able to interact with graveyards seems yeah. very good to me. And so... If it, if it goes down anymore, pick it up. Yeah. What about yours? You had to talk me into this one. So I put on Den of the Bugbear, and it's $9. And while it does see a little bit of standard play, the reason that I chose to put it on here is because it is a spout. And what I mean by that is that it is essentially a mana sink where you can put in a lot of excess mana. So because of the way it's worded, when you activate Den of the Bugbear, it becomes a 3-2 creature that has the ability, when this attacks, you make a 1-1 goblin token tapped and attacking. If you activate this multiple times, it gets multiple instances of that ability. So I, for example, have like a budget CEDH deck, it was my Bergy God of Storytelling deck, and when I go infinite with Grinning Ignis and Bergy and that kind of stuff, and I generate infinite mana, I can use stuff like the end of the bugbear, activate it, say, a thousand times, and then go to combat and swing with the land and then make a thousand attacking goblins. It's just a neat way to put a win condition into your mana base that doesn't really constrict anything within the deck. It just gives you something else to do and it makes it a little easier for you to find ways to win through infinite mana combos and that kind of stuff in red, which is kind of neat. I like yeah. it. I, I had no idea that that was the way that Den worked. And... Mm. When you started trying to sell me on it, I was like, oh, yeah, he's just going to be like, yeah, there's enough goblin decks on EDH rack where it's just like, this is a good card. And I and I, I was already willing to be like, OK, we'll we'll add it in. And then you just told me about, you know, infinite goblin splinter twin combos. And mm. I'm like, all right. Yeah, no, it, it slapped that on there because <laughs> like, also think about it. If you have any blood artist effects or any sacrifice effect, like the tokens don't leave. You keep but, all the tokens. If you have a perforos out. It kills the table. Like, yep. yeah, no, there there are a lot of ways to to use that card, and uh, that's a that's a great pick. Mm. So that is it for the cards that fit under the category that you have set out here, like the restriction mm -hmm. that you set out, where it's supposed to, where it has to see play in standard and 
therefore like the price should go down to be a good pickup now there are four other cards that we've put down here as non-standard pickups these are ones that didn't really see play in standard but we feel like they might be a little undervalued currently mm-hmm. might go up over time eventually to what like you'll know the kind of cards when we talk about them here okay yeah we've chosen one from each set why don't you kick us off with the first one from zendikar rising yeah so lithoform engine is no longer mm. 20 to 25 dollars it's five dollars and there are just so many ways now to use and abuse the lithoform engine with either <laughs> copying triggers copying spells copying permanents five dollars it it's one of those cards that gets your brain pumping and you're like oh this would be good in this deck because of this thing or because of this style or because of whatever and there are just so many different modes on it that it will fit into multiple decks it is colorless and it's also kind of a a big splashy mythic and all those things i think really push it towards being a really good pickup right now yeah it's it's like all of those other like weird like stranic resonator rings of Bryheart kind of artifacts where they'll just show up in all sorts of lists for weird yeah. reasons and sometimes it's just a good card where you can just copy random stuff and mm-hmm. get value like it's it's so good it's got such good application it can be a little clunky to use sometimes because it can be a little costly yeah. in terms of <laughs> mana and stuff yeah. but you know a lot of decks can just be fine with that as well you know yeah so yeah, that's a good shout. The yeah. one that I've chosen from Caltime, Masquad Nexus. Yep. Obviously, Masquad Nexus. Like, this is this is a casual player's dream. This is a jank player's dream. Yep. It's just there's so many. I, I literally put a post on Twitter last night where I was talking about uh, Iname Death Aspect. Yep. The mono black legendary commander when it enters the battlefield put any number of spirits from your library into your graveyard and then shuffle and then you just cast patriarch's bidding and get them all back you know it's like a super living end kind of thing and that's all possible with maskwood nexus you just fill your deck with really good cards play a maskwood nexus dump them all in reanimate them like and you've seen this in stuff like magda as well being able to turn everything into a dwarf so that you can go and get anything at all because everything's a dragon now as well like it's wild stuff like the amount of different homes that maskwood nexus has found already and will find going forward like i it's a safe bet to say that like nearly every single set is going to have a commander where you can very realistically ask the question can i make this a maskwood nexus deck and the answer Mm -hmm. is almost definitely yes yeah and not only that i mean all of those things are 100 percent true on mm-hmm. top of, it is the best Xenograft version that we've ever yes. seen. Not only does it do all of the things that you're talking about, it also makes changeling tokens. And yeah. so even if you're putting it into like an actual tribal deck for whatever reason, if you, you have whatever going on, it also makes tokens of the type that you want. Yeah. And it again, it's colorless, it makes you tokens, it's it, all tribal decks would care about it. All decks that trying to do janky stuff care about it. Like it's it's it, it checks so many boxes. I, this was a fantastic pick. Yeah, for sure. And you know, speaking of fantastic picks, 
your you pick and for Strixhaven. Oh. Yeah, we, we we had like a mind meld moment when we were like <laughs> looking at this stuff. We were, I was like, Scott, tell me what your pick is, and I, I'm looking at this card, and I'm like, I hope he picks this one, and immediately, you say what? Well, it's got to be Stormkill Artist. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it is. Stormkill Artist is gas. That card's awesome. So good. Yeah, it's only $2. It's an uncommon. And the the best equivalent that I can think of for Stormkill Artist is Pitiless Plunderer. Yeah. Where it's a four-mana card. Yeah. It has the capacity to make a bunch of treasure. And while you're not doing it when things die... You're doing it when you cast and copy spells, which is just as easy. Yep. Yeah. Can, no, can Stormfall Artist is gas. That card is so good. It should be more than $2, and if you want some, get them. Yeah. It's so... Oh, it's so nutty. Any red deck I'm like that runs like 20 or more instants and sorceries, I'm just like, I'm putting this in uh, in place of a mana rock because it's going to get me more than what they're going to give me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And right. then... What, what is our last one? The last one, Treasure Vault from D&D Adventure in the Forgotten Realms. It's a $5 card at the moment. It's an artifact land that, first and foremost, is... That can cause weird things. Like <laughs> That's a very dangerous type. Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of formats, artifact lands can be mm, very good. Very breakable. In Commander... I don't think it sees enough play at the moment, especially considering that you can sacrifice it at instant speed, pump a load of mana into it, and make a bunch of treasures. Because let's be real, any card that has anything to do with creating treasure, you should probably be looking at it as an option for EDH. Because treasures, like yep. in case you in case you haven't picked this up yet, <laughs> somehow over the last few years, Commander, treasures. Oh my God, treasures. Yeah. Another thing that Treasure Vault lets you do is filter infinite colorless mana into colored mana, and not only into colored mana, but infinite or nigh-infinite, like, artifacts. And that on its own is just, like, so good. And you were telling me... (laughs) You were telling me that you're killing people with Ornithopter in Modern with this card, too? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I play Modern Blue Affinity at the moment, and the number of times where I've attacked with an ornithopter with the cranial plating on it and then before damage pumped like four mana into this, sacrificed it, make two treasures to add that like extra point of damage to kill them feels good, feels real good but any treasure or artifact deck in commander should just consider this very strongly because you know, even in stuff like say you know, Prosper or that kind of thing or whatever where like you'll try and win with like a you know, Marionette Master or a Reckless Fireweaver or something like this. You can just, like, top deck, say, like, a Reckless Fireweaver on, like, turn 12 or whatever, and you've got, like, you know, 16 mana or something. And you just pay two mana for the Reckless Fireweaver, make, like, eight treasures or something, and then just, like, dome the table. Yeah. Like, tricks with stuff like that. I also use Treasure Vault in my Tameshi deck. Because it's sack, oh, it's no. sack. You can sack it for treasures, and then you can bounce a land back to your hand to put that artifact back into play for just a single white mana, and then you can just do it again. It's so good. It's so there's so many weird ways yeah. that you can mess with this. It's so cool. Damn, and it's only mm. five dollars. Yeah, it will go up. 
unless it's reprinted again very soon, which I don't understand how or why they would do that, then it's going to go up. And there we have it. Yeah. That's all of them. That's it. That's it. That was a lot of cards. That Yeah, and, it was more than I thought. Mm. And now, due to the magic of editing, this is not going to be the time that you're going to be seeing on the episode at this point, but we are now talking for over an hour, mm-hmm. which... You know, this is no surprise. Whenever Emma's not around for some reason, we just go <laughs> off on one. Uh, <laughs> Who would have thought? We need uh, an adult to keep us uh, focused. We need an adult. We need an adult. But, Angelo. Hi. As always, it is a pleasure having you on. Every time. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. Yes. Do you want to let people know... You're a pleasure. ...anything that you want to... Thank you. Uh, do, <laughs> do you... <laughs> Got him. Do you, do you want to let anyone at home uh, that's listening know any projects you got going on, where they can find you, anything at all? Uh, yeah, so I, I'm i on Twitter, at the Jess Guy. I write for EDH Rec. I had the uh, Dominari United White set review come out uh, yeah. recently, so take a peek at that. There's some solid white cards in there, but... Uh, other than that, uh, I'll be at Commander Sealed in Rochester if anyone's going to that. Might be a Magic Summit in November, but uh, we'll see about that. And uh, that's that's about it. Nice. Good stuff. So, to round things out, we've just got one Q&A this week. And it is from Anton at All Hail Bolas on Twitter. Hi, Anton. Hey, Anton. And they ask... What are the most overrated and underrated land cycles? Okay. Do you want to take this first? Do you want me to take it? I have a definite take for most overrated. I think we might have the same ones. Okay. Say on, on the three. On three, right? One, One two, two, three. three. The Fetch OG duels. Oh. What? No, no. I mean, no. yeah, them too. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. My, mine was OG duels, but I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> Yeah, the, the LG deals, like, they just, there's so much money, like, yep. they just come in untapped and have a typing, like. Mm-hmm. I, they're good, don't get me wrong, uh, <laughs> I, I have some, like, the the only time that I would ever be like, you should probably have them is if you're, like, playing a Valakut-based deck and be like, hey, you want to really, like, go all in? Pick up a Taiga, pick up a Badlands, <laughs> but, like, yeah. no, that's, they're, everyone's like, OG duels we need to proxy them and it's like just don't play them it's fine like they're not that much better than other things yeah they're really not I do agree with you on fetch lands as well though I do think they're like horribly overrated and in my opinion make the game worse yeah no agreed just for multiple reasons sometimes when mana is too good it mm-hmm. makes games worse and then also <sighs> shuffling like who actually enjoys shuffling like I do. I think it's fun. Well, all right, hold on. I think shuffling is fun when you have the right sleeves and mm-hmm. when you don't have to hurry up and shuffle. Like when you're at yeah. tournament magic, shuffling shu- wait, shuffling sucks. But if I'm playing commander and I'm like, all right, nature's lore, uh, I'm going to go grab this forest uh, and I'll pass. And I, and I could just sit there with my dragon shield mat sleeves and just mm-hmm. like, feel them shuffling and moving in between one another and it's just like it's a sensory thing and i'm like damn yeah. this is this is exactly where i want to be i got that too i got that too i mostly enjoy the shuffling part when i'm like goldfishing decks because okay. it's just like it's 
uh, it's a calm thing, you know, like mm. I know that no one's waiting for me to finish shuffling before doing something, you yeah. know, because there's so many times where, you know, even in Commander where like if someone plays a fetch on turn one and then they crack it immediately even, by the time it gets back around to them, they're still shuffling and they're like, oh, sorry, I got it just, oh, you know, and then it feels <laughs> awkward and I'm just like, I just never want that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but how about underrated lands? Or land cycles. What uh, you have one in particular? Any cycle that stands out to you is underrated. Uh, un- underrated in commander. Yeah, I would say the snow duels. Ooh, I think that's a good one. I think not to like. Ne- I here's me complaining about fetches, but like they're <laughs> they're fetchable. They're fetchable lands. Yep, they're fetchable duels, you know, mm-hmm. that are pretty decent. It's a great thing to be able to get like that. You can get these things off like nature's lore and that kind of stuff. I just think they're very good. Yeah. Yeah. Mine. And and so I want to be like, oh, pathways. But I already talked about pathways. Like, <laughs> oh, the Innistrad lands. But the, the secret's out on those. Uh, everyone yeah. knows that the new Innistrad lands are just gas. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to hit you with with hipster hipster lands. Oh god, here we maybe, go. Maybe maybe not super hipster if you can't or if you've played modern before. Mystic Sanctuary Cycle. Oh yeah. Mm. I don't think people play them enough. Mystic Sanctuary, which is the best out of all of them, is only seeing play in 3500 decks. And while the white one that gives a counter and the red one that gives you a dwarf are probably the worst of them. The ah. green one gives you a food and there are plenty of decks in green now that care about either artifacts or token artifacts or when we go back to Eldraine food. So it's like, okay, well, that's yeah. a free slot. But the black one, being able to regrow a creature for free, especially if yeah. you are a deck like Windgrace or Gitrog that are going to be mm-hmm. running a bunch of swamps and can recycle that land as a regrowth for your creatures, you know, put that together with an Eternal Witness. And now you can just get back any card you want whenever you need to. And so I just, I think that, and stop me if you've heard this one before. They're fetchable. Yeah, I was just going to say, this is just (laughs) another fetchable land. We're just like making arguments for fetches now. (laughs) Oh God, what are we doing? (laughs) Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trev 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, Tim Newman and Patrick Newman. And at the Stonks tier, we have A Nice Planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Matson, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nurblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We cannot thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. 